Before we begin today's show, I'd like to say a big thank you to today's sponsor, Kiehl's. As an award-winning skincare brand that was founded in 1851, Kiehl's is scientifically formulated to respect, restore, and strengthen the skin. Kiehl's and I are also on similar missions within the LGBTQ community. I love that the brand has just announced a partnership with Just Like Us, a leading LGBTQ charity that supports young people in the UK by eliminating homophobic, biphobic, and transphobic bullying in schools, which is so incredibly important. Head to keels.co.uk to find out more about this brilliant initiative, as well as their amazing products. When you're on top of the game for so long, you kind of have to look back and go, obviously, I've done this, I've done this, you learn from this, you learn from that. But I think when you're so far ahead of anyone or in any sport, it's always about tunnel vision anyway. Um, yeah. It's always been about tunnel vision from the start because why would I waste 2% of my energy thinking about someone else or what they're going to do because I could put that 2% energy in myself. My guest this week is Adam Peaty, British Olympic swimmer and world record holder and phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I am so pleased to finally have him on the show. Since his first world record in 2014, Adam has since broken the 50-metre breaststroke, 100-metre breaststroke and the 4 by 100 mixed medley relay world records 11 times. His continuous and unforgiving strive to be exceptional in the name of performance has helped him break the world record every single year, sometimes multiple times. He is a machine in the water and is renowned for his striking arm tattoos, which he says represent his character, both his strengths and his struggles, and are a way to tell his story at a glance, which as you guys know already, is a sentiment that I share for sure. It hasn't always been plain sailing for Adam, and despite a win ratio and haul of 37 major medals, making him Britain's most dominant sports person over the past six years, Adam has struggled with his mental health an all-too-common affliction of elite sportsmen. Just two years on from his crowning moment at the Rio 2016 Olympics, Adam had become depressed, and as you'll hear, he talks us through how positivity and having a good support network and internal positive dialogue helped him beat it, even draw in and reinventing that negative energy into fuel to succeed. His constant drive has meant he has never shied away from a challenge, and this September... He added the title of proud father to his list of achievements as he welcomed his first child, George, to the world. I really feel that equilibrium is such an important important message that everyone should have and understand because it doesn't matter what you do. I think it's so important to have balance because balance makes us human and, you know, it makes us, I don't know, I think it just makes us better people in a sense that... You don't have to do this religiously and, you know, for me, I don't have to train 24-7, 365 days a year. I've got to go down to pub, I've got to be with my mates, I've got to have a pint, you know, I yeah. do normal things and I've got to enjoy and I've got to laugh. Yeah. I think if you get too serious, that's when you start to hate what you do and it becomes more of a chore to wake up in the morning and you know, push for a gold medal than if, you know, you've had a good weekend but you're, you know, you're starting to build back up. 
His authenticity has brought him success, the ability to be bold, the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to accept challenges, and the bravery to show all of this through his tattoos. Equilibrium. Now that's a message I can get behind. I'm your host, Gareth Thomas, and welcome to Skin Deep. Thanks so much for coming on, bud. I really, really appreciate this. I want to, I want to firstly, I kind of put one for my cards on the table because I was thinking this morning when I was out walking the dog, right? Why this episode of Skin Deep is so important to me because everyone who's come on through their tattoos has kind of had a purpose. Like we've had campaigners, we've had like people who break barriers, we've had people who've overcome things. Now, I think for me, when I look at at, at yourself, I see somebody who through his tattoos, but also through his success, through being bold, through being vulnerable, through accepting challenges, is somebody who is a version of authenticity to me. And I feel that I want this this podcast, through your stories of swimming, through your stories of overcoming, to be a celebration that people will listen to and realize that authenticity actually is kind of a, a foundation of success. So... On that note, I think what I read this morning kind of surprised me in many ways because if you go back to the start as a child, I don't understand. Looking at the pictures behind you, knowing the Adam Petey that I followed closely now, mate, you were scared of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, wow, it's completely true. I wasn't the biggest fan of water, but I've always been the kind of the biggest competitor in, yeah. in myself. I, I know when I was swimming, especially when I was young, you know, I was born to race and it was really, you know, utilizing a talent that I knew I had from a young age, but never really unlocked the potential until I started to, you know, put in the hours. Was there, was there a moment, like, was there a race as a, as a young adult or as a child or an inspiration or a person in your life or just something that you felt clicked that you thought, okay, actually, Whatever I am destined to be, whatever the authentic Adam PT is going to be in this world, then it's going to be in this sport at these events. I mean, let's start off with a funny story. So I was I started swimming around ten years old, properly, like competitively. Yeah. Started swimming a lot earlier than that, but you know, I really took it as in started to do my first races when I was around ten years old. Um, I was in my local club for about four years. Only doing like seriously like two hours a week, three hours a week. And I always saw it as a chore. But my parents kept me going, kept me going. And, you know, then I got to 14, kind of went to another swim club, which was about 30 minutes away. And that's where I met my current coach, Mel Marshall, who I'm still with, you know, 11 years later. And yeah, from there, I guess, you know, she saw an opportunity to me and a talent in me to keep going. But I knew I was kind of a standout because the way I saw other people kind of prepare and it just didn't take it very seriously where I was like, you know, this is live or die for me. This is you know, my kind of bread and butter. But it wasn't really until 18 where I went to my first proper first international meet that was in Antwerp. And I prepared for this meet and I was like, you know what, I can go out there. I can absolutely smack it. You know, I beat all these guys back home. I can come back with a medal. And I put this massive expectation on myself that it was going to be a walk in the park, which is completely the wrong thing to do. <laughs> so I got out there and I just looked around. I was like, Jesus Christ, like some of these guys are not 18, surely, because <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were massive. And I never really touched the weight before then. I'd never been in the gym properly, but it was all about anaerobic capacity. 
not about strength and not about power for me. And one of the races which meant a lot to me, I got onto the blocks. And if you're not familiar with swimming, you, you kind of, it's a whistle, you get onto the block, then you go down and it's take your marks, go. And pretty much just before the take your marks, I felt something rip behind and literally down my bum, completely down my bum, my whole suit just ripped. It's <laughs> <laughs> completely ripped. And bearing in mind, this is my biggest meet probably the pinnacle of sport that I've ever been to right now in this moment. And that happens to me on a race, which is my strength. And I was just like, you know what? I've been beating down this whole week. I've not had a great week at all. Uh, and this happens to me now. And then the team manager came down literally with some like, you know, budgie smugglers um, <laughs> and threw them at me and get changed, get on with it. And, you know, I did a PB, but I didn't, you know, feel like I got what I deserved. I put in two or three years of hard work for this moment and, you know, I got out and I cried and, that gave me the sign that one, it told me that, you know, this means a lot to me, but two, it goes, this is never ever happening again. And if it does happen again, I've, you know, I've trained hard enough and I've got that resilience and determination that I'm going to win anyway. So there's, there's there's little moments in life where I don't know, that kind of completely changed my mentality. And then the year later, I wasn't even aiming to make a world championship team or anything. And I just missed the team by 0.03, which I was okay with because that showed to me that I had potential. I was up against guys who were 10 years older than me and 10 more, you know, they were veterans of the sport. And then, you know, the year later I became Commonwealth champion, beat the current, uh, well, the post, the past Olympic champion to get that title. Then I got my first world record two weeks later. And then we've pretty much been like that every year. I think I've broke a world record now every single year since 2014. So do, do you think on the way, because I believe that when people, when people ask me about, you know, the highlight of my career or what was the moment where you felt you could achieve certain things. Everybody expects these moments of success, these moments of celebration. But listening to you there, you're very much in the same vein of me is that I actually got to a point of success or to a pinnacle of where I wanted to be by kind of being motivated and learning from my failures, from my defeats. That was the drive to kind of move me forward. Was it the same with you? Absolutely. You know, I think you learn so much more from your failures than you do successes. And, it, you know, it sounds very cliche that we've got to fail to succeed. But I think to get the best out of anyone, you need to fail. You need to feel that emotion of all that kind of sad emotion and almost, I don't know what you call it, like a, it's, it's untangible. Like you just don't feel good about yourself, but it also makes you so motivated. And I've had so many moments in my career, especially in life and my swimming career, where you have those moments, but... You need to kind of spin it on its head and turn it back round and go, you know what, I'm going to work harder than ever now. This is how much it means to me. And I'm not going to let anyone get past me. Uh, and I've had it. Yeah, as I said, like, I've had a few moments of them. But I think that they're so, so important that especially athletes have those moments because every single athlete out there will have a loss. You know, it's uh, you don't go throughout your whole career without a loss. And you wouldn't want to because when you do win all the time, it becomes repetitive. It becomes, I want to say boring because you don't want to take it you know, for granted, but you need to feel something. You need to feel that emotion of the comeback or, you know, the build up. And I yeah. think my, you know, for me, when I look at a loss or I look at second place or third place, I'm like, you know what, take on its chin, use it as a lesson. Don't shrug it off and go, I've just lost. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because it hurts. It stings. And you got to flip that back round into a motive state and uh, use it as inspiration for yourself to you know, come back even stronger. Yeah, because I think it's really important for people who listen to the this podcast is that they understand that because I think with yourself, like so many other sports people, we only see or recognize and associate people like yourself with Olympic gold, with world record, with these constant successes. 
but we never we never look at the depth of what's got on there. And I think kind of that's that's the failure. So moving moving to now when we're on like the understanding of success versus failure and what failure does to to get success is the reality is there's nobody really in the world that's kind of competing on the same level as you in a pool. So is that why you create these versions of a competition against yourself or against the clock to continue to maybe fail against what you've set yourself to keep you driven? I think so. I think there's so many mental strategies and psychological tricks which you can use to help an athlete perform. So for example, you know, I always have the saying, it's attack, not defend. So, you know, I've been on top now for six years, going on to seven, hopefully. But, you know, if I went into the mentality that I've got to defend something, it's already saying to myself that, you know, you're anxious and you've got to be there just to do a defense in a sense. So Mm. if I go there and go, I'm going to attack this and I'm going to be aggressive about it, but controlled, you go in there to win something. You go in there to own and earn something. Like when you're on top of the game for so long, Uh, you kind of have to look back and go, obviously I've done this, I've done this. You learn from this, you learn from that. But I think when you're so far ahead of anyone or in any sport, it's always about tunnel vision anyway. Um, It's always been about tunnel vision from the start because why would I waste 2% of my energy thinking about someone else or what they're going to do? Because I could put that 2% energy in myself. Yeah, And it really comes down to, yeah, tunnel vision and really controlling your mental state that it's all energy that's coming inside and not, Mel has a saying, it's it's not outside in, it's inside out. And if that makes sense, all your energy should be flowing within you instead of trying to look at what they're doing or how much they're lifting or, or an Instagram. And it's getting worse because the social media connects the whole world of athletes together and it's getting more competitive. But yeah. you've got to you know figure out a way which is best for you. Some people yeah. use it as a motivation if they see someone lifting, but for me, it's a distraction and it has no influence or no impact on my performance at all. If I go to Olympics, I'm not going to think about on the blocks going, bloody hell, do you remember that Instagram from November? He's lifting that. I'm like, no, I've just absolutely hammered my own season and done my own training and all my energy is is within me and flowed within me. And it's, it's really learning more about yourself every single year to get into that flow state which is you know it's not anxiety it's just kind of freedom so talk about anxiety before we move on to i think what is really important for me is understanding the stories behind your tattoos if i take you to like 2016 on the blocks in the final like the pressure because i I think there was a huge expectancy for you to win gold and i think i as somebody who performed in a team so if I feel if I feel this sense of expectation, it's not just at me. I can kind of share that sense of expectation. And I think for individual athletes, as opposed to, to athletes who are used to being in a team, I've always wondered how do you block out that anxiety of expectation to perform in that moment when you've worked so hard for that moment and everything's telling you whatever you do, don't fail. How do you flip it to be whatever you do, succeed? Again, there's, you know, so many variables and so many things that you can do. But for me, I knew all the work was done. Whatever I did in the next few days or as long as I didn't go out on a, you know, go down a pub for every single day before I race, everything was going to go well because everything was going so well in training. You know, all the numbers were there. Everything was there. And I had this aura around me and this feeling that something was about to happen. And I've, I've been waiting for this moment. And yes, you can get caught up in the anxiety of a moment, which is which means so much to you because especially Olympics, it's only four years or five years this year. Uh, and you've got to wait 
for that and you've got one race and one opportunity to do that so it's like going for a promotion you've been working for for half a decade and trying to prove yourself in 56 seconds you know it's it's extremely extremely pressurized situation and, and atmosphere because to a normal person they would crumble under that pressure and there's nothing wrong with that because they haven't trained their brain to deal with that pressure and it's all about training yourself to deal with that scenario and it's yeah, I mean, it's different when you're in a team sport because you've got so many other variables of they're going to perform, are they going to catch that or are they going to kick that or there's so many things which you have to rely on. But for me, as an individual, there is a high risk because if you're not feeling 100% on one day, you can't hide. That's where determination and resilience comes in because no matter what, you're going to get that goal. And I think once I know the work is done and I've, I've given my best effort and my best preparation, all I think about is my family, my friends and my home my country that is all I think about before I walk out and I don't even have to think about the race because you know I'm so adrenaline up anyway I'm like I'm about to knock someone out so, <laughs> so for me, that's you know I get a huge kick off it and there's no there's no room for anxiety at all and you'll have things in your head on the way to the arena you know my, I think it was uh, I think it was Mike Tyson and I have dreams of losing I'm scared I'm scared but the closer I get to the ring I'm a god and it's that it's okay to have doubt it's okay to doubt yourself because it's only putting your brain into kind of overdrive to do better and you know make sure that you're doing these extra things and well that's how it works for me yeah. it's just making sure you don't let that doubt creep in and take control and you know the closer you get to that race and the closer you get to that arena it's all about confidence it's all about that aura that you'll give yourself yeah you, you definitely have an aura and an aura of authenticity which is like i said at the start so you know in two in 2016 did you have any ink at all? Forgive me, I can't, I can't fully remember. But was you, was you inked up at all for the 16 Olympic final? No, no tattoos. Oh. No, no. Well, so, so when, when after that did your first tattoo begin, or this storytelling through tattoos begin? So I felt quite obliged to get the Olympic rings first, but I don't think I got them first. I think I got the lion first, which is there. Yeah, so that's um, become quite an iconic tattoo. Yeah. With yourself, so if, if you just, if you describe us the the lion, where it is, the kind of size of it, because it's quite an imposing tattoo. So it goes all the way up to the top of the shoulder, and it curves back round under the armpit, pretty much where the hair goes, and vice versa, it goes all the way back round to the back of your armpit. And then you've got the whole big face, and it pretty much covers a whole kind of tricep and bicep area. And then at the bottom, you've got X V one, which is twenty sixteen in Roman numerals, and then around the lion, you've got waves which kind of look like hair as well so it's, i've always wanted kind of traditional you know black and white for me obviously it's been on me for four years now but everyone i remember going to africa and doing some charity work and they there was well my artist is a really good artist based in derby andrew andrew radford but when i went to africa they actually were like lion 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 like and they were like thinking how is it possible to get such a realistic image on you know on yourself as a tattoo but the kids absolutely loved it. Yeah, but that was my first one. That that basically is, I suppose, in remembrance of your success in 2016. Because again, when I see a lion on somebody, for me, it symbolizes a fearless individual who I believe overcomes challenges through bravery. Can you relate that to who you are? So if I used to see a tattoo on you, or when I saw a tattoo on you, straight away, as somebody who understands the meanings of tattoos, but also looks at individuals, that is the one thing that I, and probably a lot of people in the tattoo world, would consider you to be. 
Do you think this, that's that yeah. fits with who you are? Yeah, and I think it's courage. And I think, again, I always look at a lion, you know, no matter if it's on TV or a picture, and it's just strong, you know? Yeah. You know, I look at a lion and go, oh, it's weak. It's yeah. just a strong, proud animal. And I think for me, to have that on my body is almost like reciprocating that energy and that understanding that I am strong. We all have bad days, but you've got to have courage and you've got to have bravery and you've you know, you've got to risk it a lot of the time. So for me, it really comes down to the British lion and the values that I hold strongly. Was it also a courageous decision, apart from all the bravery and courage you showed to you know, be successful in 2016, was it actually also a courageous decision to have the tattoo? I was under the impression, and I, I had to ask my manager, and it's like, you know, I'm going to get a tattoo. Will it affect sponsors or something like that? Because mm. there is still a stigma around athletes with tattoos. And obviously you see it a lot in football. But for me, it was like, because I'm swimming, it's like it's always there. You know, I can't wear a long sleeve top or a, a half sleeve top. But thankfully, it didn't have an impact at all. And if anything, it's helped me. And it, especially when you're swimming, it's given you an identity because of the camera above you can see who's got two sleeves and who hasn't. I mean, of course, it was a courageous decision. It hurt as well, obviously, but it's completely different. I've never had a tattoo before and I've just gone for a, what, well, I don't even know how big that is. It's, you know, top of the shoulder to your elbow pretty much. So Yeah, that's that's for the first tattoo, that's a bold, brave, <laughs> big tattoo. So are you one of these people? Because I know a lot of people I've spoken to, a lot of people in the, you know, my friends and in the tattoo world that I'm really passionate about. You have a certain element of people who will say, oh, does that tattoo hurt there? Does that tattoo hurt there? Or hurts more you than, than anywhere else? As somebody who is a strength of character, I think what's nice to you is you saying it hurts because I say to people, listen, whether I have a tattoo on my arm, whether I have a tattoo on my belly, whether I have a tattoo on my foot, it hurts. When you stick a needle in anywhere in your body, yeah. it's it's going to hurt. So are you one of these ones who accepts that pain is part of the process of having tattoo, but actually that's something that you feel makes the tattoo worthwhile? Of course, yeah. So when, for example, I've got Poseidon on my, or Neptune if you want to call it, but I've got Poseidon on my forearm and just this strip here, like literally this strip, not even the other side of it, that took 11 hours in one sitting. Because wow. I'm a swimmer, obviously, you know, you've got chlorine, you've got water. I only have opportunities for three sittings a year, which is April, August or September and December. So you can get a tattoo three times a year. So I have to literally hammer it for 11 hours or 10 hours, whatever it's going to be to get the results. But yeah, I mean, of course it's going to hurt. It's, Especially when you get the the shaders out, when there's you know five needles at a time, yeah, it, it really really hurts. And you know it is part of the process. And I think once you get to a certain point, anyway, I think anywhere after four hours really really hurts. But then if you go after like another, if you go for another three hours, then it starts to kind of I don't know. You get used to it, I guess. Your body has just become accompanied to the pain. Yeah, yeah. So with, with whilst you spoke about it, then with the Poseidon that's on the same arm. As the lion, which then covers more of your more of your forearm. What what was the thought process behind the placing of that, and what was the thought process? I I'm assuming people are going to understand Poseidon as the the Greek god of of water, of sea, yeah. um, of lakes, of pools. So I'm understanding the connection with the water. But it, so was there a reason for placement? Because what you've got there now is you've got the lion, which is potentially something that if you wear a t-shirt, you're not really going to see. But then you've got a forearm, which is if you wear a T-shirt, again, this is something that's going to be very visible to people, not just in the pool, but also outside the pool. So is it a... Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Poseidon is more fitting than anything on here because I think, yeah, obviously it's God of the Sea. But for me, yeah, I think it's placed really nicely. 
on my arm. Yeah. Um, so it kind of sits really, really nicely. And then obviously you got the water below Poseidon, kind of like a wave crashing against him. And yeah. all the way around there's waves uh, and water, which is a theme I'm going for on this arm because this arm is going to be kind of smoke and fire and war. So you got peace, courage, and you know strength on this arm with water, and it's kind of like a a peaceful flow. But on this arm, it's all about kind of the other side that I have to me, which is aggression and chaos, I guess. Right. Okay. But again, what these are, my relevance for having only shading or only say black and white tattoos, is because for me, life decision making, and I think maybe similar to you is like you either win. Or you lose. You either you either strive for success, or you you're, you're you're defeated. You either live or you die. And for me, that's the resemblance with black and white. And I think color sometimes adds certain things to tattoos that don't describe what I want to describe myself as. Yeah. So is there a thought process with you with the with the shade? Just because it's a simpler message, it's like this is who I am. This is the God. This is Poseidon. This is a lion. There's no color taking any kind yeah. of thought process anywhere else. Yeah, of course. I think obviously black and white is my preference, but I think as well there is kind of an underlying message that for me, I don't know, there's just something about like black and white and it's simple and it's easy to look at. So nothing gets drawn out. So if you had really, really big colours on the lion, maybe the Poseidon would be less noticed or the other arm or if I have a chest tattoo or a neck tattoo in the future or whatever it's going to be. But then you've got this really colourful thing, one thing, it's going to draw someone to that. Yeah. Whereas really all these tattoos are me. You don't want to draw a specific attention to one part of you. You want to have it as a whole. So I think it comes down to really being traditional and not really taking, I don't know, just not taking the attention away from other pieces of art, I guess. Yeah, so on your right arm there, what you showed us was a, a gladiator fully equipped, ready to go to battle. Yeah. And that's bold. That was, what's the words that say in it? So divide et impera. So that means... And anyone that speaks Latin is going to say you said that completely wrong. But um, <laughs> don't worry, we have got a massive Latin audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it means you know divide and rule. So or divide and conquer, which is more well known. So for me, it doesn't matter what's going on or who you you're against. You've got to find a way to get in between them and you know shake the boat really. But I like I've always been a fan of divide and conquer as a kind of a mindset because I think any athlete. Really, if you work hard and you do everything and you work to the standard that the world's best are working at, you can find a way to win. I, mm. I, I am a firm believer in that. I don't think one person on this planet you know, is so good that they can't be beaten. I can be beaten. Of course I can. I'm a human. I breathe. Yeah. I cry. I sleep. I eat. You know, I do all the normal human things. It's just for me, I'm already on this mindset that I don't want to be beaten and I don't want to be you know, second place or third place. And these tattoos obviously remind me daily. You know, for example, on my inner left forearm, below opposite Poseidon is mm. a trident, which is courage, integrity, and belief. So that would be Poseidon's like kind of weapon of choice. Weapon, yeah. So again, to look at this, and then on, on the other arm, I've got another. It's not Poseidon, but it's a sword or a dagger, which is conquer your demons. So again, you've got all these positive things here, but also. Again, war and chaos on this arm where it's, you know, you can have all that aggression and can have all that kind of fuel, which makes you go faster and you know, push harder. Just make sure that 
the the demons don't take over and you you slip into a kind of a darker place if that makes sense are you trying to find balance with your tattoos of course yeah of course yeah okay right yeah can you hear how you're talking it's kind of like you know you've got these kind of scales that you're constantly trying to find a balanced outlook at on the inside here under the olympic rings and that's the only color i've got it's equilibrium which is okay yeah under there I, i really feel that equilibrium is such an important important message that everyone should have and understand because it doesn't matter what you do i think it's so important to have balance because balance makes us human and you know it makes us i don't know i think it just makes us better people in a sense that you don't have to do this religiously and you know for me i don't have to train 24 7 three six five days a year i've got to go down the pub i've got to be with my mates i've got to have a pint you know and yeah. do normal things and i've got to enjoy and i've got to laugh yeah. i think if you get too serious that's when you start to hate what you do and it becomes more of a chore to wake up in the morning and you know, push for a gold medal than if, you know, you've had a good weekend, but you're, you know, you're starting to build back up and don't get me wrong. You know, I do work extremely, extremely hard, but I also, you know, party hard as well when I, when I get the opportunity and, you know, yeah. especially when Corona's over, I guess in August, you know, after world champs or an Olympic games, I love to, you know, go out and party too. Do you know the best part about that talking about party is you actually said when Corona is over because you got beers on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> now when COVID is over, when Corona is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, you know, like when you so when you stand sometimes in the mirror because I have a lot of tattoos that I look in the mirror and kind of dictate sometimes how my day is going to be with us. So sometimes if you're maybe partying too hard or if you're training too hard. Can your tattoos be a reminder to you of balance, of saying, right, okay, do you know what? Remember why I've marked my body. Remember who I am. Remember I have to have a life and I also have to train hard. And sometimes you forget about that until you look at your tattoos. Of course. And I, I, I'm guilty. You know, I put my hands up that I don't do that enough. I think um, I want to do it more, but I'm so busy with the day-to-day stuff and the kind of internal war that you have with yourself and the push and pulls of life that you never really get a chance to stand in front of the mirror and go and kind of debrief yourself about the day. We've had a you know a newborn son, and you know that takes you know, a lot of the time now as well. So for me, yeah, I want to I want to start to do that more and reflect more on my kind of image because I always see my body as my muscles look big, I look strong, I look good. But you know, for me, the tattoos never really get much you know attention on a daily basis. But now and then, you know, I look when I'm out for a walk. I look at him and go, you know what, that's you know, exactly who I am and I love this on me and stuff. So, yeah, it's more of a, another thing that other people want to see as well and it's a conversation point as well. Yeah, you know, it's a, a kind of conversation point of other things that, you know, people, other people want to see because I'm quite fascinated with what goes on in the psychology of swimming, like the psychology of athletics. And do you feel also your tattoos, as much as they're a, they're a reflection of who you are, a reflection of like strength, a reflection of vulnerability, in kind of swimming environment, they're actually quite imposing. They're quite intimidating to the other swimmers. Because I know when you come out or when you're in, you know, the holding before you go into a competition, if I was standing there and I was looking around and I was saying, yeah, you know, these people are looking physically big, physically strong, they're going to be decent. But all of a sudden you see somebody tattooed, straight away I'm like, actually, that's somebody who's got a USP. That's somebody who actually, you know what, I'm a little bit shit scared of him right now because <laughs> them, them tattoos are showing me somebody that I'm quite not sure is the same as everyone else. 
Therefore, yeah. his difference is a strength. Do you think that you do you use him as a shield, as a like an armor? I think so. I think it's it's an easy tool to use for intimidation. And it's passive intimidation, isn't it? So you don't yeah. have to try or do anything different, but it happens anyway. But I think when it comes down to that, it's yeah, it does make you feel good when you kind of whack off the top and you know your tattoos look sick on TV and stuff, and yeah. you're going up for a race and you breathe in and your head's held up high. Uh, but for other people, I mean, I've never been in their shoes really, but. I mean, it must be, you know, quite different because, uh, but then again, like they don't understand how much pain it is <laughs> to yeah. go through and sit through two full sleeves. You know, I'm looking at more tattoos in the future, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of pain. So yeah, you, you can't be completely altogether there to put yourself through <laughs> pain, which is, for me, you know, if I'm going to sit through pain of getting tattooed, which is torture for 11 hours, I can definitely do a uh, hundred meter breaststroke as fast as I can without thinking about the pain too much. Yeah, man, I, I truly believe that in a holding pen that people are going to look at you and just be intimidated, not by, you know, the the athleticism, but actually by the by the tattoos. When you say you're thinking of having more, do you have any goals of, of things you want to achieve to enable you to justify you having more? Or do you feel like you're kind of in your mindset? I know what I want to have anyway. I think I want to hit my legs, you know, sooner rather than later. I've got to finish off these arms because on the inside... Where we've got a whole bit of kind of blank canvas. I want to finish off the two full sleeves fully and then get all the whiting in eventually. But I think I've always, always been curious and I don't know, like it's always been like something I've looked at with neck tattoos. I've always looked at them and gone, wow, like they're crazy. Like they're yeah. so, so cool. But again, it's like, you know, other people don't think that. Traditional people in the old way of thinking think, you know, there's a massive stigma around tattoos, yet alone on your neck or on your face or on yeah. your head but i've got plenty of mates who got them on the face on the neck and the head and some of the kindest people i know it doesn't define who you are just because of the way you look and it goes the same with fashion you know just because you dress a certain way doesn't mean you are that certain person and that's all it is you know it's an appearance yeah. yes there's underlying messages personal messages but also you know you can go two ways you're like i don't care what anyone else thinks i'm going to do it or you know, you, you're that other person who does care what other people think. And, you know, a lot of people do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, eventually, I think I, I want something on my neck and I want something on my head. But, you know, it's a long way away, away. But what might be? I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's quite a big saying in a lot, of, a lot of tattooists I know say that it's really interesting that people without tattoos have such an opinion on people with tattoos. Yet people with tattoos don't give a shit if people yeah. without tattoos have an opinion or not. So yeah. it's kind of, it's usually people who have that, you know, kind of process. Well, it's funny that because I get quite a lot of, say if I upload a picture or, you know, do something, I'll get mes- messages either on comments or on personal messages. Where they're like, oh, you look way better without tattoos. You should have kept it pristine or whatever. But I'm like, it's completely subjective. It's, it's your point of view and it doesn't, I don't care. I'll literally look yeah. at it and go, oh. That's it. Forget about it two seconds later. Yeah. How do you feel? And I, I think you've spoken candidly and quite openly about the difficulty of dealing with other people's opinions, but also speaking openly about, about lows and you know depression that you felt in your life. How do you deal now with overcoming that and not wanting to get back to kind of that point of feeling depressed again or, or worrying about other people's opinions to an instagram post or to how you look or to a tattoo on your neck or your head i think you've really again it's you've really got to strip everything back and go who am i i think you've got to ask 
you know, what kind of person I am, what kind of character I am, you know, who really matters to me, what really matters to me. So I think, you know, when I went for a, a phase, and it's pretty much 2018 into 2019, and it was, there was something not quite right. And it, maybe it was my way of thinking or my mindset back then, but it was, it just wasn't me because I normally look forward to going to win and going to get something to get a reward so I can have a new car or I can buy this or whatever. Because for me, that's just, I don't know, I love fast cars and I love clothes. I love fashion. And that's kind of a reward for me. But when you start to have the warning signs that it doesn't really matter to you, some of your biggest passions, you know, for me, I've got so many passions and so many hobbies, but if they're taken out in your mind and going, oh, I'm not really bothered about them anymore and I don't care about that, that's a, a massive red flag for me because you've got to be thinking about, you know, something I really, really enjoy and I love doing every single day. Why am I already starting to think that, you know, that doesn't exist anymore or I can't have that or it's just a negative mindset for me. Mm-hmm. So you, you go into this kind of semi-depression and eventually I think you go into a, a deeper depression which lasts months and months. And for me, it's having a kind of support circle around that so you know some of your closest friends uh, your partner or your family and it's really who you feel comfortable with to talk about what you're feeling uh, so I remember in 20 just before world champs in uh, Grand Jew in 2019 I talked to my one of my best friends and my business partner and I just sat in a car and I was like I just don't care about this anymore I don't care about winning I don't care about the kind of the daily grind and daily hustle and it was like that's just not you like you know that isn't completely you and it took a while I think it was after Grand I came home and I think it could have been a stimulation of a different environment that helped mm-hmm. me get out of there so we're in Asia for about five weeks in total I think we were and I came home and I just kind of switched around the furniture I did different things I hung out with different people and I did just did different things to kind of mm-hmm. stimulate my mind and then yeah I kind of got out of that hole but you know some people don't find that and they don't have the opportunity because when you are you know working every day because you have to you have to pay the bills and you have to pay the rent and mortgage or whatever people don't have the opportunity to go for away for a a long time and have a different environment so i think it really comes down to support circles and breathing relaxing and for me i love i you know i I don't know why it's so good for me but like almost like an active meditation which is going out for a walk and just looking at some beautiful countryside or you know going to a park or just doing something different and just breathing and really feeling that connection, you know, with, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm a firm believer. I'm not religious. I'm not a religious guy, but I do believe that we do have this energy of the universe and the cosmic energy and it might sound too far fetched, but I don't know. There's something that is connecting pretty much everything together for me. And yeah, I think if you give positivity and you are positive, you will get, positive back whether that's in the form of a relationship or a goal or a financial thing it's all it comes down to laws of attraction doesn't it that if you believe it you will eventually get it yeah but it's the vice versa you go negative and believe negative internally your whole world will become negative and the people around you will become negative because negative is so much more contagious than it is positive yeah. So if you walk into a wall and go oh, i feel shit today do you know yeah. or, and you walk into a room and go come on guys let's go you get more response from the negative one and people will more likely join that unless, you know, you've got that overwhelming energy of positivity, which has to be 10 times stronger than the negative alternative. It's because it's really easy to be negative and it's sometimes very difficult to be positive. It's ridiculously easy. It's like, honestly, it's like jumping in a hole, which, you know, you literally can just do or yeah. climbing a ladder. Positivity is 
to climbing that ladder and you don't know how far you've got to go to get to that. But even me, I'm guilty of that. Some days I wake up, I'm like, I can't be arsed. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just a normal person, but I make sure that my standards never slip to a past a certain point, even if I'm tired or, you know, I, I do believe there is different energy systems, you know, your spiritual energy, your physical energy, your mental energy. And, you know, they're all in play and all countering each other. And yeah. if one day you get them all on the top, like for me, I'm having a great day today. So it's like, you know, I'm all, I'm all up here. I've got my inspiration, my motivation. I'm well rested, fueled right. You know, I went for a nice family walk yesterday. So mentally I'm like, I'm all there today. And it's really learning yeah. that about yourself. And, you know, especially when you get, we call it Olympic blues or competition blues. So when you're away from the competition, you come home and you go drinking and you, you know, go out with the mates that makes it 10 times worse because, you know, you've got a hangover or you've got this kind of depressant in your system as well. So, yeah, it's just really learning and having those checks and balances. You know, you've got concrete demons. Is, is, does that, is that tattoo have a part to play in, the, in uh, one, how you've conquered your demons, but also how you realise that even though you've conquered your demons, there's still the potential for your demons to creep in? I, I, I'm a firm believer that they'll always be there. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they're sitting on shoulders, sometimes they're not. But it's really learning to live with them and manage them. I don't, I don't, I never believe in you become a completely different person from this or that. I mean, kudos to you if you can do that and, you know, go down to that path of life. But for me, it's my personality. Sometimes you need a demon. I need that demon on, you know, that last 25 meter. Yeah. You need that person who is aggressive or full of hate or chaos and just all that negative energy because sometimes it can be really, really useful. I mean, in the times when you need it the most, you can draw upon it and win and, you know, or, you know, draw upon it and come, you know, be the person you need to be in that moment. And it's, it's having that control over that. So it doesn't creep in into the everyday life, but also, you know, 95% of the time I want to be the balanced person, the, the nice person, the charismatic person, the positive person. But again, yeah. 5% can take up a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of energy. Yeah, so because I, I think, again, something I really want to speak to you about, and we'll quickly kind of do this to wrap it up, is to the balanced person, to the nice person, and I think to the person who has created a platform in swimming that I believe, as somebody who recently took up swimming and actually loves it, that swimming is a sport, it's a life skill that is one of the most, I don't know, for me, kind of one of the most moments where I can actually just be in the moment and I love being in the moment. And I think swimming is somebody swimming is something that should be open and accessible to everybody. And I think you're a great advert for that. I think with your authenticity, but so why is it like, why is it when I watch swimming, which I often do, or when I go to the swimming pool, which I often do, swimming seems to be the most non diverse sport that I've kind of ever come across. I did some research and I found a guy, actually, his name is Michael Gummins or Michael Gunning. Yeah. So he's a black openly gay swimmer and he, so he's going to rep, try to represent Jamaica in the Olympics that should have just, just happened. Yeah. And he grew up in Kent and he said when he was growing up as a child, people used to say to him, black people sink in the water. And it's, it, it's so weird because when I was telling people I was going to speak to you and I wanted to talk about diversity, where does this come from? Honestly, I think it's a hard question to answer because 
I'm in a privileged situation, you know, and if you look at the whole swimming community, the majority of swimmers are white. But I think if you really look at the investment in the communities, in the swim clubs, in their kind of culture, I don't know. I don't think there's enough being done on a government level and on a, a kind of institution level to reach into those communities and take away that stigma that, you know, just because you are of a different race does not make you any slower or any faster. We're all human and we're all, you know, we've got the same blood running through us. And it's it's a very difficult question to answer because, you know, I have no experience of what it's like to be called that or for someone to say that. I've just, you know, kind of loved swimming, did a bit of racing and, you know, I've seen no different or heard no different. So I think it's really coming down to reaching out into those communities, especially while they're young and saying, you know, we've got to give those communities and, you know, people the opportunity to race and have fun. Uh, And it really starts at, you know, a young age where you're teaching kids of all races and all ages that you want to race and be competitive, but you also got to work hard. And there's so many values in taking up a sport that teaches you so much about life. And I think, yeah, there needs to be a lot more work done. And hopefully in the next few years, that I can advocate for that and especially we'll get this Olympics done I think and you now I want to start that path of really taking that stigma away. You use your platform in a way to help create better environments for everybody else. I think a lot of people use their platform to create better environments for themselves and I really believe that you have an empathetic nature to create better environments for everybody I think, else. I mean as an athlete I think our purpose is in, our, our kind of sole purpose is to inspire other people. Yeah. Why do we invest so much into the Olympics? Why do we love the Olympics? Why do we love watching it? Why do we cheer for someone we don't know when they won gold? For example, you know, it's yeah. it's crazy, the whole thought around it. But I think as an athlete, it's my duty to inspire people and be serving others. And I want to do that. You know, we teach, hopefully, this after the Olympics, we're teaching thousands of kids, you know, more about racing and more about what it takes to be competitive, but also get that balance right which is, you know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many paths which children can go down and hopefully they choose the right ones and sport can give them that platform to learn so much more about themselves. So again, we've just got to make sure we're investing in those communities which are suppressed away from swimming uh, and investing into them and, you know, giving them the opportunity and uh, the tools and resources and access to facilities to, to do that. Brilliant. Maybe we've got to wrap it up there because we've had a message off your agent saying we've got yeah. to wrap up. But, maybe, but I appreciate it so much, especially for that bit at the end, because your authenticity, mate, is shining. I love yeah, it. You're you. a legend, man. Take care, brother. Cheers. Thanks, man. Bye, buddy. Thank you again for listening. If you like the show, then please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe. It means you'll never miss an episode and will help other people find us. I want to say a big thank you to any of the tattoo community supporting this podcast. Please do help us spread the word. Now that's it from me. Well, at least until next time. And finally, a closing thank you to the partners of today's episode, Keels. Now for all the bearded men out there, I'd recommend checking out their grooming solution, Nourishing Beard Oil, a lightweight beard oil that smooths facial hair and nourishes skin underneath. Their products are great, but what I love just as much 
is their philanthropic initiatives, including their partnership with Just Like Us. Just Like Us is a leading LGBTQ plus charity that was founded to support young people in the UK by eliminating homophobic, biphobic, and transphobic bullying in schools. Check out the brand and all the amazing things they are doing by visiting keels.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Skin Deep. Now, here's one of the podcast addicts out there. Are you looking for your next fix of podcast to binge listen to? Check out Castaway with Laura Whitmore, the go-to place for all your podcast recommendations. Broadcaster and podcast lover, Laura Whitmore is on a mission to uncover the best podcasts out there by interviewing a celebrity guest every week about what they're listening to, whether it shows about mental health, comedy, love, crime, and fictional series. Available on Apple, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. So why not go check it out?